the only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome to Football Social Daily. I'm Jim Salverson and all the news right now is about Newcastle United and the big money Saudi takeover. But I'll be honest with you, on today's podcast, I'm not really sure I can stomach talking about that. In all honesty, we've covered that in depth on yesterday's podcast and there'll be more on the Newcastle takeover on the dugout show tonight when Niall is joined by former Wolves and West Ham winger Matt Jarvis and North East football journalist Aisha Acton to talk about events and the early celebrations that are taking place up in St James's Park right now. No doubt there'll be a little bit of Geordie chat on today's podcast but I thought we'd do something a little bit different as well. A half-term report. We are seven games into the Premier League season, exactly a quarter of the way through this season already. And as it's the international break, it is a great opportunity to take a step back and work out who is set for an A star and who is flunking their class. To help me do that, I'm going to be the headmaster in this situation. I've got mature student Steve McNaughton. How are you doing, Steve? I'm all right, mate. you? Yeah, not too bad. And an eager first-yearer as well, Joel Tudor. How are you doing, Joel? I'm good, I'm good, thanks. Right, so this is how it's going to work. I've got some categories. We're going to go through each one in term, and I need you to pick a name from each category. It can be either someone or something who has excelled this season, or someone or something that still has a lot of work to do. So an A, or maybe a D, or an E, or an F. We'll grade them as we go through. We're going to start by talking managers. Who is impressed and who is not impressed this season? I'm going to start with this one. I think it will give you a guide to how it's going to work. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is my pick and he's getting a D. He's not quite failing, but his mum and dad won't be happy with his predicted grades. I know that much. Now, I know it's become a bit of a cliche to criticise Solskjaer and rightly so, because I don't think he's brought anything to Manchester United over the last 24 months. He came in after Jose and I thought he was going to be a bit of a stopgap. I thought it was going to be someone who was a cushion between the old and the new. Someone who could settle the atmosphere, bring his status as club legend to win the crowd over, but be very much a temporary solution. And that should have been the case. And now it's gone on far too long. He came in, he said the right things. He wanted to install this pride in playing for Manchester United. He wanted to bring in young and hungry players. He wanted to go back to that old style of attacking football. But as far as I'm concerned, we've not really seen any of those things happen at Manchester United. And tactically, in my view... I don't think he's got very much to offer. I'm not huge on my football tactics and my stats and my analysis. So I feel a bit mean maybe criticising his level of tactical ability. But he looks to me like someone who sends players out on the pitch and says, go and try really hard. But putting that to one side, for me, I think the biggest telltale factor of Solskjaer this season particularly is the complete lack of development of players that he has brought into that club. He has a very, very good team. And I don't think there is a single player on that very, very good team who is playing a higher level than when they started playing under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I think that is quite telling of him as a manager and him as a coach. So for me, at the moment, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets a D. Joel, you're a United fan. I'm going to let you go first on this. Explain to me why Solskjaer is still at that football club. If I, if I had the answers, he'd be having an A right now. I really don't understand. I don't think you'd find any Manchester United fan who's utterly convinced about him. I don't think any fan thinks we're going to win the Champions League, the league with him in the next seasons. 
I, I personally think that he's hit his ceiling in terms of his coaching ability. I don't really think, and I agree with you like totally about how he's coached the players. I don't think we've seen massive progress from the last couple of years since he's been here. I think his best period was probably that six months when he was trying to prove to everyone that he was the right man for the job where we were winning really nice, uh, fast-flowing football, winning 4-0 consistently. Now we have a team which is his. But they were all lucky wins still, weren't they? Like When you looked at the XG from those, I know XG doesn't tell a whole story, but when you looked at the XG from those games, United should have been losing. It's like he when when United win, it's almost as if they win lucky. Yeah, no, honestly, I totally agree. This season, I, from my standpoint, he always seems to need to be bailed out by a individual piece of brilliance or a really nice penalty that we got awarded in the last minute. When you look at, for example, City or Liverpool, they can all probably say or pick at least four or five games this season where they've said, "Wow." great team performance we all did great great performance with united i don't i don't think i could pick a individual team performance where i've gone we've convincingly won that game it's always been a very in like ronaldo bailing is out one game or bruno fernandez having a, an incredible shot from a crazy angle and that's testament to the coaching any other top manager in the league that had this team, which is now Ollie's team, let's not get it twisted, it's his team, with his signings, how he wants it to be, they would have this team flying on paper, it's incredible. And it all comes down to the coaching. Steve, Joel mentioned Liverpool there, he also mentioned Manchester City, that's the level that Manchester United want to be at. And if you look at those two clubs, they've got two managers that do develop players, that do seem to have huge tactical ability as a Liverpool fan you must look at that and be both grateful and, and amused I guess as to how the managers stack up compared to who you've got and who Manchester United have got yeah and I think that um, you know it's valid you know the comments that are being made I mean you know incidentally Jürgen's been in charge of Liverpool six years today um, so it's his anniversary um, but I think you know I've, I've talked about this on the podcast for for you know, probably the majority of the time I've been doing it, I've never been convinced on Solskjaer. Um, I don't think that he has got the profile to be a Man United manager. And I think that tactically he's not astute enough. And, you know, then, then you talk about the player development um, issues and, and it just isn't there. And, you know, in comparison, you've got Pep Guardiola and, and what he's done with Phil Foden as an example is is nothing short of sensational. Um, you know, he's 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 seen a lad who had the 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 potential to be to be a world class player, and he's well on his way to that. And I think that the fact that he refused to send him out on loan as well and do his development within the first team squad at Man Man City speaks volumes, really. Um, and would Phil Foden have got that opportunity under Solskjaer at United? Probably not. And then you know you look at. You know, conversely, Liverpool uh, the other side of the M62, and you've got players like you know, I mean Trent Alexander-Arnold is a good example of of Jurgen Klopp developing a young player. Um, you know, he's 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 the the honours he's won, the assists, and he's 23 years old. Um, he's been working with Jurgen for for four or five years, and then you have like Harvey Elliott, you know, and people like that who 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 was obviously getting an opportunity and and really shining in that Liverpool team this season. And then I can bring in names like Curtis Jones, uh, you know, who who's similar is is amongst the goals at it's Liverpool. It's night and day, isn't it? It's absolutely night and day, mate. And 
that's um, you know that that is the bread and butter of being a manager is that you have got to be able to go to the under twenty threes, the under twenty ones, or whatever the age group is you know that's knocking around the academy, and go listen. We've got five or six gems here that we think we may be able to develop, and I think sometimes the model with certain clubs. And we loan a lot of players out, so I'm not saying that that you know we, we don't do that. But sometimes clubs need to kind of back these players and just go, listen, we are going to put the the mileage in and the hours in and the blood, sweat, and tears in developing these lads with a view to getting them in the first team. And with the ex, I mean Marcus Rashford, Louis Van Hal, you know, brought him in to the team. Um, I think he was desperate for strikers, wasn't he, in, in one particular game? Yeah, and he, was the, he was the only fit striker. Yeah, he it, was, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't any kind of tactic around no. youth development. It was a needs-must situation. It was a needs-must, but he did it. You know, he, He's not tried to kind of put someone in from midfield to play in that role or, or do something really outlandish. He's, he's took a punt on him. And the rest is history. Um, you know, you, you'd argue about you know Mason Greenwood, um, who who is a player who looks like he's he's got all the attributes, and that, but I, I just feel his development is is a bit stunted at the minute, um, and and he's not really kind of showing the showing the, the showing the signs that he is going to kick on a level or two at the minute. But there, don't get me wrong, before the United fans you know start abusing me and stuff like that. I think there's a fantastic player in there. I just don't think he's been utilised and managed properly. And I think that is testament to, to what is going on at United versus what is going on at Man City or what is going on at Liverpool. Completely agree. Right, so Solskjaer, I think we're all in agreement. Must do harder, must do better, rather, in the latter half of the season. Right, so let's do another manager. Joel, who have you picked to either praise or damn? Um, I've gone with Mikel Arteta purely on the back of praise, Arsenal right? fans. No, absolutely <laughs> not praise. <laughs> purely on the back of the Arsenal fans' kind of furore after the North London derby, which you know, fair enough, they can have their, you know, their trophy for this season. But I mean, he spent 142 million in the summer, which is more than any other Premier League club. He's got the job thanks to a good reference from Pep Guardiola, and. They've been pretty, pretty bang average this summer, uh, this season. Sorry, I mean they were de- demolished by Chelsea and City earlier on in the season. They got back to back one nil wins against Burnley and Norwich, who have been killed by nearly every team in the league this season. And then suddenly the North London derby with a manager Nuno Santo who is under pressure already, considering he's like the fifth choice that they made. They've got a Tottenham striker Harry Kane who is not wanting to be there at all. And then suddenly, after that game, they came up against Brighton, who's a better coached team with a better coach, and they got absolutely dominated for 90 minutes, where they conceded 58% possession, which is really uncharacteristic for an Arsenal side. And you have to kind of think, they signed all these players. I know Edu, the sporting director, said that, you know, they're signing young players for the future. We have to be patient, but that doesn't guarantee success at all. It doesn't matter how young you are. You can sign a 16, 17-year-old and put him in the side. It doesn't mean that he's going to go on to become Lionel Messi. It all comes down to your recruitment, and I think there's deeper problems than Arteta at that club. And now that they've spent all that money, there's just such a huge amount of expectation on his shoulders that I think Arsenal fans are kind of allowing to be pushed to the side a little bit. Um, but when you spend all of that money and he's been there for two years now, I don't really see much progress from when Emery took over, if I'm honest. And if if we're going to be straight with it, 
they should have signed someone like Conte, but the club's ambitions don't match those sorts of uh, coaches. And they're kind of stuck with a coach who matches their ambitions in a way, which is they don't really know which way they're going at the moment and they can't attract the signings that Liverpool, City, Manchester United, Chelsea can get. So they're in a bit of a catch-22 at the moment, but I'm absolutely not convinced by him at all. Um, and, I know what you mean yeah. with Arteta, because he hasn't impressed. This season has been poor. It's been slightly better since the international break. I think they're unbeaten since the last international break. But there's something about him that makes me think, I just at some point I feel like it's going to click. But you mentioned the transfers and they were the highest spending Premier League club in the last window. You look at who they bought in. Ben White, Martin Odegaard, Aaron Ramsdale with their three big signings. Now, I looked at that and went, well, you bought three players there for a huge amount of money, combined total of, I'm trying to do the math desperately in my head, 110 million, something like that. Um, None of them are first team players, but actually they've all come into the first team. I think Martin Odegaard's looked decent. I think Ben White, after a rocky start, has started to found himself and Aaron Ramsdale as well. And considering they're all under the age of 24, you can kind of see a strategy, can't you? You can, but then when you go to the pitch... That's where you need to see, well, where's where's this direction going? I totally understand they need a lot of time to gel. They need time to kind of form as a team, etc. But, I mean, they just played Brighton straight after an absolutely amazing win against Tottenham. And Brighton were clearly the better coach side. They had a better coach, and it was really, really evident. And I, th- I feel like same with Solskjaer is the same with Arteta. They're going to reach the ceiling of what they can actually do in their powers. And they've got nothing from their experience to actually suggest that they can push it onto another level whereas you know when Liverpool got Klopp he's on the back of two Bundesliga titles Guardiola needless to say with these two they've still got the jury out on them regardless of where they are in the league it's all about what they can bring to the club in terms of trophies and silverware and that's where I feel like Arteta's going to come up short sure he's won the FA Cup but did they really progress on that possibly not really what do you think the future holds for Arteta Steve do you think I mean, I think Arsenal as a board are pretty much wedded to them. I think they have 100% faith in where they're going in terms of a strategy. And after all, that's what Arsenal fans said they wanted. For years and years after the departure of Wenger, they said, we want to see a strategy. Now they've got one and they don't like the strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a funny one, isn't it? And I think um, if you look at Arsenal as an example, you take the spend. I, I think the I think they're back in Arteta. I think they believe in Mikel Arteta. And I think they're in it for the long haul with him. Where he's on the quiet, Arsenal are starting to turn a corner. You know, they've not lost in four. Um, you know, they they were they played some really good stuff in the North London derby. And even though it's very, very early days, I can't see them looking to change anything at, at, at present. Don't get me wrong, if he loses another five games on the bounce, it might change. But at the minute, I think they're gonna be clinging on to that fragile bit of positivity that's starting to kick around. Um, but, you know, you, you talk about the spend levels and it does bring added pressure, as we know, and, and the media love talking about that, um, you know, and, and I think the media drum up a lot of pressure on these managers when they have been quite active in the transfer market. But let's not forget, you know, we can't really say in the past years um, is that Arsenal have been really lavish in the transfer market, you know, and, and, and some of them fans up there have been pulling their ear out about, you know, the the, the the club in the transfer market. So I think them having one big window, um, you know, it is it, it was probably overdue and it's probably the, the, the 
amalgamation of a couple of windows with or three windows with a budget. Um, so I think yeah, yeah, it's it, the jury's very much out. I mean, apologies for sitting on the fence on it, but. Um, I think that uh, yeah, we, we're going to have to wait and see with Arsenal because they might just be creeping around the corner. We moan often about a lack of patience in football, and here we've got the Arsenal board showing huge amounts of patience and believing in a process, and we're having a moan about it. <laughs> we're like, we are the typical football fans, right? That's our. Oh no, Steve, you haven't done your manager yet. We've had two managers, and we've hammered both of them. Who are you going to pick for yours? As uh, what? As bad manager? Well, no, bad or good, it's your choice. It can either be, a, it can be whatever grade you like. It could be from A to E. But you know what? I'm, I, I was, I was very, very close to going with Steve Bruce as bad manager then, but let's not go there. Um, there's, there's two possibles here, and now I'm going to give an honourable mention to this man because he's just been picked by the man who I'm going to mention. And I'm going to give an honourable nod to Thomas Frank at Brentford, um, but um, I'm going to go with Graham Potter at, at Brighton and Hove Albion, who I think are having a fabulous season. Um, again unbeaten in four games um, you know the two points off the top of the league they play great football um, you know I think there's I, I think there's a few people watching Graham Potter and how, he's, how his career progresses at, um, at Brighton maybe the beard has given him extra strength like Samson you know um, but I think Brighton are playing really really good football this season they're a very very tricky opponent to play at the minute and I think he's he's made good signings in the transfer market. Um, obviously, they've been rocked by a bit of news this week, which which we won't go into, which might affect one of their players. But um, you know, I, I don't know who the player is. Um, but hopefully, you know, it's it's something that the club can can manage accordingly. Um, I just think they're a breath of fresh air. I think there's a good vibe around Brighton. Everything is positive about the club, and. Um, you know, you've got no kind of bad feeling towards them as a club um, in any way, shape or form. And um, I think Graham Potter is, is is the reason for that and the culture that he's built. And, you know, Brighton might fade away, but, you know, they'll, they'll be on the QT wanting to chase one of them top eight positions, I think. And I think if they were to get Europa League or even Europa Conference football, this season, that'd be absolutely massive. So well done, Graham Potter and, and, and everyone at Brighton. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Let's talk about players next. We've done managers. Let's talk about the playing staff. Who's impressed you or who has not impressed you as the case may be this season Joe I'm going to go with Harry Kane as not impressed I give him a C minus the reason I give this is just because his attitude is just totally different to the last seasons we've been used to when he's been putting out these incredible numbers Um, he's got no goals in his last six Premier League appearances which is his worst run in six years which obviously all points towards one thing and that's his mind's not at Tottenham anymore Um. I think the devil's in the detail with obviously why he actually wants to leave the club. When you look at who they were trying to sign in the summer when they went on a merry-go-round with Conte, Finesca, uh, potentially Pochettino, all these managers clearly didn't want to join based on one thing and that was ambition. And the fact that they probably weren't going to get the backing that they required to get Tottenham to where they think they can actually reach. And with Kane, it just seems like he's so disillusioned at that club now where... You know, we were watching Jack Grealish at Manchester City playing against Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, and then you got 
Harry Kane, who's could potentially uh, target Alan Shearer's record. He's England's captain, and he's playing in the suburbs of Portugal in the Conference League. I mean, he must be looking at that thinking, what am I doing at this club anymore? You've got a manager that they've signed, Santo, who was about their fifth choice, who's already under pressure because they've done back-to-back 3-0 defeats. Um, But I also look at it as this. Tottenham have not won anything with Harry Kane either. He scored 166 goals, and the only thing they have to show for it is a Champions League runners-up DVD. I mean, you've got to be aiming for a little bit better than that. So I, I personally believe his heart's not at the club anymore. Daniel Levy's clearly, in my opinion, not wanting to transact the sale because he doesn't trust Santa with the money purely because he's not his first choice. I think that might be a massive part of it. I think he's waiting for potentially Pochettino. Right, eighth choice, isn't he? Oh, maybe that's generous. <laughs> I don't know. I think they offered the kit man it maybe before him. We all got the call right before Santa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I had to reject it as well. I didn't, I didn't get it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm insulted. I didn't get it. <laughs> but yeah, it's, he could get the largest ever fee in English football for him and I think he'd be absolutely stupid to not take it. They've not won anything with him and... They've learned from the lessons of selling Harry K and um, Gareth Bale when they invested it in absolute ridiculous amounts in players that didn't really do much for them. I think they're in a way better position now, and I, I think Levy would be crazy to not sell him. I mean, C minus. I think you gave him. That's not a bad. That's not a bad score. But this is a. It's not bad because I don't blame him too. It's a straight much. A star pupil, though, isn't he? I mean, that's what you expect. You expect yeah, top yeah. level stuff from Harry Kane. I, it was an interesting debate. I don't know if you guys saw this on social media this week on Twitter, where someone asked the question, "Whose career would you rather have, Harry Kane or Jamie Vardy?" When you compare what Jamie Vardy has won, FA Cup, Premier League, to what Harry Kane has won, and a few Tottenham fans were trying to argue that breaking that. Premier League scoring record and getting the golden boot in the Premier League for a couple of seasons kind of levelled it out. I have no belief at all that that is the case. But as far as Spurs are concerned, Steve, this problem is bigger than Harry Kane maybe looking a bit disinterested. Let's not forget he doesn't score very often in the first month of the season. But it seems to have affected the whole team. It's almost as if the Tottenham squad have gone, well, he's been refused the option to leave and go and win stuff, despite the fact him playing and performing for this football club and giving his all for five years. Daniel Levy has regained on his his gentleman's uh, agreement. So what does that mean for us? What happens if we excel and want to leave? Are we then tied to the club forever? It seems to have affected the entire football club, this transfer saga. Yeah, it does. And and it it weighs heavy, doesn't it? Uh, You know, when things like these happen. And I think... You know, there's plenty of lessons to be learned with with here, and one of them is obviously don't do a gentleman's agreement with Daniel Levy. Um, you know, first and foremost, and that. But Harry's body language it isn't right. You know, he wants out of the club, and that's gonna, you know, that that will spill into the rest of them, like you say. And it's a sad state of affairs, really, because Spurs are are all over the shop at the minute. You know, after having a really decent start to the season, now they they look a shadow of the former selves. Um, and I don't know what, what the situation is. I don't know whether Daniel Levy will cut his losses in, in January. It feels like the Man City ship has sailed. I might be wrong, but I think you know, Harry will be 29, won't he? Um, you know, next time uh, there's a window open. Um, so I'm not sure whether, you know, the, the Man City might not have the appetite to spend over 100 million on it, but... You know this. These what, players is he worth are... hundred million now. Has he, has he proved that? Like that, that's the problem, isn't it? The less he, 
less he performs for Tottenham, the less goals he scores, the lower that transfer fee goes. Yeah, and and I think that's the problem that 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 you know um, Spurs have got. But Daniel Levy's got him on for another four years, hasn't he? Cause he signed that ridiculous six-year contract. And um, and I think he signed it on the basis that Spurs were you know heading for a Champions League final, um, you know against Liverpool in Madrid, and um, and and they just haven't kicked on from there. And and I think that Harry's probably a bit frustrated that the club haven't um, you know taken the necessary steps to react accordingly to that to that Champions League final loss, and they've stagnated and and they're going backwards uh, unfortunately. And um, and I, and I don't know what the answer is to it because I'm just looking at Tottenham in eighth, and I, you know they've won one in four in the Premier League, and they, they've not really pulled up any trees in that Europa Conference. And um, yeah, it's going to take a brave man to predict the outcome of that situation. We're going to inject a bit of positivity into this conversation now. We'll come to get your player nomination in a moment, Steve. But I'm just going to do mine very quickly because I want to give a hearty B plus to Sed Ben Rama at West Ham. He's a different player compared to the player he was last season at my club. And he's got off to a great start this season. I don't think his first season for the Hammers was particularly good after he moved over from Brentford, which isn't a massively popular opinion amongst West Ham fans. But I don't think he impressed. He quite often looked too keen to impress, ironically. He made the wrong decisions, took the wrong options quite often. He'd look for that Hollywood ball or he'd take a pot shot when there were better options. But this season, he looks like a much more mature player. He's making better decisions. He's making better calls. And when he is trying the remarkable thing, it's actually coming off more often than not. I think this is two reasons behind this. One is, I think he's settled into the club a little bit. It's taken a while, but he's a young 24-year-old. So it's taken him a while to settle in London. And I also think a load of credit goes to David Moyes. And I was mentioning earlier about the coaching at Manchester United. I think what David Moyes has been doing at West Ham is a demonstration of good coaching. You've got a load of players there who are playing above the level at which we expect them to play. And I think his working with Benrahma has turned him into a better player. He's coached him, added the kind of ability to read a game, add structure to his football performance giving him a better understanding of the game. So for me, Ben Rama is one of the standout players for West Ham this season and also one of the standout players in the Premier League and also a really good shout for your fantasy Premier League team. If you're looking for options, he's in mind and he's doing wonders. So that is my nomination. A good score for said Ben Rama on his half-term report. Steve, who are you going for? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give an A to Mo Salah. I think he's been absolutely sensational this season. And uh, yes, I am biased, so people will need to deal with that. Um <laughs> You know, but I think that you know if if you look at you know that I think he's he scored um, six in the Premier League this season. Um, I think he's got three in the Champions League so far this season. Um, you know, he looks like a man on an absolute mission this mm. season. And you you look at the goal he scored against Man City at the weekend, and it was just magnificent. And and I think if you know, messy esque. Oh, it? you know the, the fact that he's put Emery Laporte on his ass. He's put Ruben Diaz on his ass. He's absolutely, you know, sent Bernardo Silva out of the stadium. Um, you know, I think it just mesmerising and and the finish as well from from such a tight angle. And you just, you know, we're, we're all kind of watching it, and you just have to, you know, obviously we would all have our seats and everything like that, but you just have to appreciate brilliance when you see it and and you know a, a mercurial talent that he is and 
And then you see the tweet after it, uh, sorry, social media post after it, because it goes across all of them, obviously, doesn't it? But And it said, you know, we, we want to win the title this season and we have what it takes. And there's a real kind of steely determination about him this season and, and he is dragging Liverpool along. And yes, there's other, there's other contributors, obviously, but I just think that he appears to have found a new level this season and, and that is a frightening prospect. And I think on that basis, you know, you, you can't give him anything but an A. Um, so for me, Mo Salah, incredible. Do you think Liverpool will win it this season? They've already impro- they've already done better this season than I thought they would. I thought they were going to drop away this season, but there they are, second in the table. It's all very tight between fifth and first, but they're in the mix at the moment. Yeah, I think that, um, and I've, I used the phrase before, and I'm not quite brave enough to, to predict that we'll do that. I think it's going to be very, very challenging this season. Um, I think there's a variety of clubs that are going to be up there. Um, you know, City. I mean, Liverpool and City are both unbeaten this season. Um, they're the only two teams in the league. You know, do I expect it to be a straight shootout between them two? Potentially, but we can't forget about Chelsea. Um, you know, even though Chelsea have lost one game, they're still top. Um, and I just think that it's going to be real. I mean, I think the thing is, Chelsea have won games and not been great. I mean, the 3 0 win against Aston Villa. They weren't great at all, and but they've still come away with a three 0 win against Villa. Um, you know, I, I think United. I don't think United will be up there. I think they'll probably finish fourth. Um, but I just think that yeah, it, I'm not ready to kind of say we'll do it. I think if we get 18, 20 games in, and we're still a point off the top, I might be kind of saying yeah, we can have a proper go at it. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Right, we're going to do one more of these. We're going to do our goods and bads for team of the season so far. I'm going to try and wrap this up in 10 minutes. So we're going to rattle through it. I'm going to do mine first because I'm going to go against all the positivity coming out of the Northeast at the moment and say my bad, my F minus goes to Newcastle this season, who have had a terrible start to the season. And I think, despite all the celebrations, they might still end up getting relegated from the Premier League, which would be absolutely <laughs> Going down with a billion in the bank. <laughs> for everyone. Even surely, if you're a Newcastle fan, you'd have to see the humour in that. And a lot of it goes down to poor management from Steve Bruce. A lot of it goes down to a lack of investment from Mike Ashley. But I still think there is a team there at Newcastle that should be performing better and should be pulling in better results. There are plenty of worse teams in the Premier League. And they've just looked well off it this season. And I wonder whether part of that is down to what we've seen happen this week with the takeover. We know what happens when a manager becomes a dead man walking. We saw it with Manuel Pellegrini at Manchester City. Players stopped buying into them. If they ever bought into Steve Bruce in the first place, knowing that he was going to be on the out means they're surely not going to play for him going forward. And they're in trouble right now, Newcastle. And the money doesn't solve that issues. If they continue in the same vein they will get relegated, which will be absolutely shocking. And Newcastle fans shouldn't get too cocky about this Saudi Arabian money that's going to be flooding in the club because it doesn't turn around a football club instantly. Again, use Manchester City as an example. It took them years to get their project moving. They had a lot of full starts. So the money isn't going to solve that instantly, particularly with the FFP rules 
that are in place and they can't go out and buy 11 new players and appoint a world-class manager all in the January transfer window. They still need to find that value and they still need to find players in a pretty stagnant market that want to come to Newcastle. So I think it's an interesting situation. I think the start they've made to this season could actually cause them to take a step back before they take a step forward because they're right down there in the midst of the relegation battle. They've got three points this season and there is a chance that even with the money, they could end up getting relegated. And then how, what does that do to the rebuilding process? Because I can tell you one thing, Mbappe ain't going to want to play in the championship. <laughs> he ain't going to come and play against Stoke City every week. It's a poor, poor start for Newcastle, Steve. Do you think they're going to be able to turn it around in the latter half of the season? It's going to be interesting to see who comes in. I think Steve Bruce will be sacked in the next week or so. Um, and it's quite rightly as well because, he, you know, the, the, the form guide is, is absolutely horrific and the vibe is, is horrendous. Uh, well, it's not today, but it was. Um, I just think that um, it depends on who comes in and some of the names that are being linked. I mean, I, th- I believe Steven Gerrard is the favourite for the job at the minute with the bookies, which I'd be surprised if he, t- yeah, I'd be surprised if he took it, um, because I think he's been mentored by by Liverpool. Um, but stranger things have happened. Um, I've seen Frank Lampard mentioned with it. If Frank Lampard got, got the job, I think they'd get relegated. Um, so it depends which manager comes in, but. If I, I think there's worse teams than them, to be fair, you know, in the league, I think Norwich will go down for for the start, um, and I think other teams will get sucked in. But Newcastle will probably claw their way out of it like they do. Um, so yeah, I think it's it, it's going to be interesting, but I probably don't expect them to be relegated. What teams your half term report going to be on, Joel? Uh, I've gone with Brentford. I think Ooh, I've never been call. so impressed with a newly promoted side for such a long time. Um, I think they've gone into the season with just a different mentality to what a promoter's side usually goes into a season with, where they already come in kind of defeated, they come in to survive, they come in to try and take points and make it difficult. Whereas I remember Ivan Tony, their star striker for the last few years, he quoted saying that they have to believe that they'll win the league. And that was before the season had even started. And even though everyone kind of looked at it thinking, yeah, like, in your dreams it just kind of shows the mentality that they have going into it with Thomas Frank which is that we're not here to just be another number and to be a yo-yo side we're here to actually you know try and take on the best and if we go down go down fighting rather than when you look at Norwich at the moment at the bottom of the Premier League they're not really giving it in any games like who wants to remember be remembered as a team like that so I think that you know they've only spent 31 million which was slightly less than what Norwich spent so it all comes down to the attitude and mentality and they've made very modest very thought out signings where you know they have a very clear recruitment strategy they had that 3-3 draw away at Anfield. I mean, how many teams score three at Anfield? It's not very regular. And that's a newly promoted side. And then they won, you know, away to your West Ham, um, won away to Wolves. That They're not easy places to go and win, especially for a newly promoted side. And I think the tone was set on the opening day when they played Arsenal. I think that kind of just cemented that, you know, we're here, we're in the Premier League. We're not just going to lay down for all the big teams and try and scrap 1-0 victories, 1-1 victories here and there. We're going to try and actually give it a go. And I think Thomas Frank's just approached the season with the correct mentality. They're going to go into it knowing that they don't want to be a yo-yo club. They want to be a side that's there to stay and you know, testament to how well that's gone at the moment. Maybe they will start to fade. Maybe the, you know, the new season pump will end up kind of fading away. But 
as things go at the moment, I've been massively impressed with them. And they're really just being expansive in games rather than being, you know, that defeatist mentality before even going into them. And that's you can't ask for more than that. I think Sheffield United were pretty impressive in their first season in the Premier League. We know what happened the following yeah, true, season true. to them, but I think Brentford's football has just been that little bit more exciting, that little bit more attacking. As for Thomas Frank, Steve, you wanted to nominate him as your kind of pick of the managers, um, despite the fact he looks like a William Defoe kind of playing a football manager. If you look at him, he looks like William Defoe in a brown long wig. Uh, what, what's impressed you about him this season? I think he's, uh, I love his attitude. Um, there was a really nice moment, wasn't there, in the game with Liverpool, where I think Liverpool nearly nicked it at the end, you know, to make it 4-3. And he just gave kind of Jürgen a look and raised his eyebrows and, and blew out, you know, it exhaled and... It was a nice touch between two managers. I think he's good value in his press conferences. Um, I think, you know, like Joel said there, you know, they play good, expansive football. They bought really well, um, you know, in the window. Um, Tony, he, he's getting a, a proper tune out of Tony. Um, and, it, and it's all there. He was just picked by Graham Potter because I think, you know, Brighton have, have, have been just a touch better. Um, but yeah, it, it did a breath of fresh air, but we know how these things happen with the promoted sides. We had it with Sheffield United. We've had it with Huddersfield a couple of seasons ago. And um, second season syndrome is, is a different matter and it'll bring a whole host of new challenges. But let's enjoy him for the time being. Um, really, really good. Um, you know, and, he, and he's a character that the Premier League need. Right, we've got one more team to go, Steve. We need your nomination. We're running out of time, so I need you to do this in about... 60 seconds I'm afraid so who are you picking for your team of the season or your worst team of the season worst team of the season Newcastle by a uh, by a long way um you know I think they've been absolutely pathetic this season um I think the the football has been horrendous and um you know and, and there's a manager who's been in the position for for far too long and it's a bit harsh, I know, because obviously there's a great feeling about the, the the club at the minute, but they have been abysmal this season. And they should be thankful that Norwich are in the Premier League um, and that Norwich, you know, Delia couldn't cook a recipe up to win a game for them. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just... I, I, I mean, I can't kind of be explicit enough about how Newcastle are. Um, you know, they are they have been embarrassingly woeful and and you know it's I could go on and on and on with it but you know it's difficult when when the um there's such jubilation amongst the fans you know since yesterday um I mean that's a whole different podcast that Jim you know what I mean about the, the takeover <laughs> uh you know um I just mentioned sports washing and that but um you know I just think that uh yeah they, they, you know they, they've got to have a long look at themselves and I think the new owners um, oh, sorry, the new kingdom that owns the club. Um, I've got a lot of questions to answer because the rebuild there is absolutely huge and they have got to turn that league form around really quickly. There we go. Man- managers, players, teams, they're your midterm report cards. You can take them back to your parents. You know exactly what you need to do for the rest of the season. It's been set out. That is it for today's Football Social Daily. Joel, Steve, thank you very much. There'll be plenty more chat about that Newcastle United takeover on The Dugout this weekend, which is our new show where former pros that have done it all talk about the weekend's Premier League action. There is no weekend's Premier League action this week because it is the international break, so they'll be digging deep into that Newcastle United takeover. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Football Social Daily. And we'll see you next time. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.